The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are Ron and Ron Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2008's Max Payne, directed by John Moore, starring Mark Wahlberg, Mila Kunis, Bo Bridges, Chris Ludacris Bridges, Chris O'Donnell, Donald Logue, Amori Nolasco, Kate Burton, and Olga Curry. Lenko. Max Payne is a 2008 American noir action film based on the 2001 video game of the same name by Remedy Entertainment. This movie currently holds a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Three years ago, NYPD detective Max Payne's wife and baby were murdered. Max gets himself transferred to the cold case office where he can continue searching for the killer who got away. He's a loner, but two people reach out to him during a fateful week. Alex, his ex-partner who may have found a clue, and B the security chief at the pharmaceutical company where Max's wife worked. Meanwhile, bodies are piling up, some as a result of a drug on the street that is highly addictive and, for many who take it, bring hideous hallucinations. When one of the bodies is a woman Payne was the last to see alive, her sister comes looking for him, armed to the teeth. Max must move fast. <laughs> Why are these so bad all the time? I don't... Consistently, they're terrible. <laughs> you know what? It's consistent. I, it might be the same, but I think it's the same person writing it. It's gotta be, right? Okay, Max Payne, what is your history with this? I've seen this movie. I I own it on DVD. This is... <laughs> hey, you're laughing. You own it too, right? As do I. What a hypocrite. Yeah, well, this was one of the uh, fateful blockbuster blowout sale DVDs that we purchased where we just started dumping... 99 cent DVDs to a shopping cart, shopping cart, (laughs) walking around the blockbuster like it's Christmas. Yeah. The blockbuster box sitting right over there. No longer filled. It's no longer housing the bountiful blockbuster beauties. Listen, that buxom box was about to bust. (laughs) There was too many bargain bin. (laughs) Listen, this is unsustainable. It is unsustainable, but that that was a real bargain bin of bombs. Bad movies, if you must. (laughs) Yeah, I own this as well. I'm not very proud of it, I gotta admit. (laughs) Cost me a dollar. Quite frankly, I like that dollar back. I can't return it, though, because that blockbuster is a bit of dust. Yeah. It it exploded. Actually, no, no. Actually, after we walked out of it, a bulldozer was waiting just to, it was like, just bulldozed it. <laughs> no, like I escaped the Max Payne in my arms as the blockbuster exploded. I jumped out the window. I'm glad I could save this. Hey, actually, I, I think uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is going to send another Voyager out into space and they're going to put Max Payne in there. They're going to so. etch Max Payne onto a golden disc <laughs> and send it into space. Societies in, in space. Triumphant, our, our, our greatest achievement, Max Payne. Yeah, I was not impressed with Max Payne in the long tradition of video game movies. What a shock that this was a bad one. Uh, well, Mortal Kombat was good. Didn't... Oh yeah, that was really great. That was amazing. Alright, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. Let's discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. 
First up, the triumphant return, Mark Wahlberg. I mean, first he was a teacher, then he was an Andrea Gale <laughs> fisherman. He was, now, a, he, he was a Gordon's fisherman. He was a harbor master, and now? He was not a harbor master. <laughs> now he's a cop on the edge. <laughs> is he is he getting towards patron saint status? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's been brought up before who could be the next Dennis Quaid, and some people say Mark Wahlberg is in the territory. Are you okay with that? Can you live with yourself with that? <laughs> Look, I didn't say it, and personally, this man doesn't have the chops to be compared to Quaid. So how do you think he did in this? He was supposed to just be a one-line, very quiet, very, like, scorned character. I mean, he, essentially, he's that stereotypical cop who's lost his family and is trying to solve the murder, and no one will help him, so he's got, you know, all this hatred for the world. Did he pull it off? I guess. I mean, it's I, not... It, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is... This character isn't very hard to do, and I don't think there's a lot of dimension to it. Did you play the game? Yeah. I played it, like, briefly for, like, 10 minutes, maybe. So I only know the bare basics about who Max Payne is and what it's all about. And I'll say this about Mark Wahlberg's performance. He had this angry look on his face almost continuously in this movie. His brows were furrowed. He had this determined look in his eyes. That's what the character looks like in the video game. Though. Yeah, 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 yeah. That constipated face is a staple of video games of this era. Everybody had that look. Like, they needed to go to the bathroom. They had to... Look on their face. They were pushing. I was not impressed with Mark Wahlberg's performance in this movie. At all. I'm whatsoever. Trying, whose fault? Who's to blame? Yeah, if you're going to point the, the finger of shame at somebody, who are you going to point it at? Wag that finger. Hmm. Well, Martin, who are you to point your finger? You must be out of your head. I must be high. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been high. <laughs> It's the material, right? It's just, it's a video game movie. It's, it can, it is what it is, right? I want to say that all these people can act. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen them do that. I've seen them do it. I know they can do it. <laughs> Are they doing it in this movie? No, they're not. You could probably paint that across almost every character in this movie. Well, next up, Mila Kunis. Same thing. She can act. I've seen her do it. Is this our first encounter with Mila Kunis? Unfortunately, yes. I would like to see her more, but you know what? Good for her. She picks good movies. I mean, I, I don't think we were reviewed The Black Swan yet, right? Yeah, that's next. <laughs> Episode 69, The Black Swan. I thought she was piss poor in this movie. I don't know. Let me take that back. I'm going to say that she was completely superfluous. I don't understand why she was there at all. The whole time, I was like, who is this person? Who is this character? What is she doing in this plot? Get her out of here. It's not doing anything. She's also totally unbelievable as a mob boss. I, I'm sorry. that is that what she's supposed to be? She was a mob boss? I believe so, that she ran some type of organized crime or gang syndicate. She looks like a model. Like, who's going to fear her? But then again, that's a recurring theme on this show, isn't it? They make these girls be tough guys. Mila Kunis. This doesn't work. Mila Kunis, though, I think, I don't think, she, I mean, she's gorgeous, but like, there's like a type of like an, like an attitude that someone exudes, like when they're, when someone says they look like a model. I think that you'd probably be able to go down and like actually talk to her. She's probably down to earth. Okay. All right. That's like the feeling I get. Like, But I agree with you. I didn't believe her as being like a tough guy. She wasn't as tough she's, as she's, that. Like the girl in Pandorum. Right, right. I totally bought her. As being, she was like athletic. She, she could beat you up, and was kind of she could be menacing. I guess this character, no. And I didn't understand what she was doing in this movie at all. I'm still on the fence on Mila Kunis, the actress. I don't know yet. You saw Black Swan. Yeah, well, Black Swan was her best performance, but I've seen her in other things, and I wasn't blown away. <sighs> you don't like her as Meg Griffin? Yeah, she's amazing in that role. The bo- the role she was born to play. She has a face for radio, I guess. That's absolutely not true. Incorrect. <laughs> that is very incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, Bo Bridges. 
this? Is this a guy I'm very familiar with? Yeah. I don't like this guy at all. He always plays this character. He's always double-crossing people. Is that so? I think so. I first came into contact with Jeff Bridges' uh, younger brother. Not it's really not sh- his older brother? I'm not sure. I don't know. I came clo- I came toe-to-toe with his brother with in Stargate SG-1, and I've hated him ever since. Oh, hate's a strong word. I've disliked him ever since. I'm not too crazy about this guy. Oh, he was in The Descendants. Oh my god, yeah, you're right. He was. And he was the same character. Like, he was trying to... <laughs> He was trying to sell out the family's last, yeah, like... double dealing. He's yeah. double dealing. He's like, we're going to double cross the people of Hawaii and destroy... <laughs> it's like, he's the same character in every movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of this guy. But what about his brother, Chris Ludacris Bridges? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if related. Is Ludacris related to Jeff Bridges? I can only hope. That's a universe I want to live in. <laughs> no, no. They're, Bo Bridges, Jeff Bridges, and Ludacris Ludacris Bridges are all related. Yeah, they all go to the same family reunion. Yeah. I'm um, all for it. I like him, to be honest. I think that he is a pretty competent actor for someone who has probably very little training, and I know that you think completely differently. I can't believe the words that are coming out of your mouth right now. I said it before, I'm going to say it again. Ludacris, tremendous rapper. It's from the deep dirty Piss south, bro. poor actor. I'm gonna go there. I said it. Yeah, alright. I think that he can act and I enjoy his crunk. I think he's a double threat. Yeah, he was moving, he was grooving. Actually, he wasn't in this movie. He was pretty no, dull. No, no, no. He was pretty dull. I believed him as an internal affairs officer. Not, no, I didn't. I did not. You didn't? No. Well, agree to disagree. Oh, okay. All right. I believed him more as a gamer in Gamer, gamer. starring Gamer. <laughs> it was not starring Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he was in Gamer. The lost episode. You forget. Remember? He was in yeah. Yeah, well, well, yeah, because we lost that episode. <laughs> I flushed it in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, the triumphant return. It's been a while since we've seen this guy, not since Batman and Robin, I guess. Chris O'Donnell. I didn't recognize him without being able to view his nipples. I'm going to say that much. Not enough O'Donnell nipples in this movie. Well, that's what you wanted, right? You wanted them to just cut his shirt. Yeah, <laughs> we need more nipple holes in this movie. <laughs> uh, he put on a few pounds. That's. I, I think that's why I didn't recognize him. Val Kilmer-esque? I don't know if he gained that much weight. I mean, you've seen <laughs> pictures of Val Kilmer recently. He's like very, very. But you know what? I was happy to have him in this movie. I liked him. I liked his performance. It was good. I didn't recognize him at first either, but I was like, hey, is that Chris O'Donnell? And I was pleasantly surprised. He's okay. Definitely better than he was in Batman and Robin. Ah, I don't know about that. Really? Don't leave home without it. All right. That credit card. (sighs) What do I have to say about his acting? He had the most emotional part in this movie. He was trying to hide the secret of... The ooze. Yes, he was trying to hide the secret of the ooze. He was trying to hide the secret of Max Payne's wife's murder and the conspiracy that was yeah, we'll get constructed to, that. to cover we'll, it up. We'll get, to, we'll get to that. So, yeah, he had the most emotionally packed scene in this movie. It was palpable. Performance. No, it wasn't. Perpetrated. But, yeah, primarily, primarily by a proper by people in <laughs> professional attire before they get shot at. Perforated. Before they get perforated by pistol Pellets. fire. <laughs> yeah, and these other people, I don't even think they're worth discussing. Like Donald Logue, he's alright. And that's about it. I mean, these other people are worth talking about. Yeah, for now. Okay, so let's get to the brief history of Max a Million Painting. <laughs> the 2001 video game Max Payne was optioned by the production company Collision Entertainment to produce a live action adaptation. By April 2002, distributor Dimension Films and Abandoned Entertainment were attached to the project. Sean Ryan, the creator of the television series The Shield, was hired to write the script for a planned film. By June 2005, without production starting, Collision Entertainment had taken the project 
to 20th Century Fox. In November of 2007, with a script written by Bo Thorne, Fox announced John Moore as the director and Mark Wahlberg as the title star. The film is loosely based on the video game of the same name, developed by Remedy Entertainment in 2001. The number of differences between the game and the film caused the CEO of 3D Realms and producer behind the game, Scott Miller, to make a public statement against the film. Miller did not approve of the fact that the film's audience does not know why Max is seeking revenge. A flashback scene where Max finds his family murdered was right at the beginning of the game, but in the film it was shown mid-film. Though filmed with the intention of receiving a PG-13 rating, Max Payne received an unofficial R rating by the MPAA on September 5th, 2008. Moore, angered that the equally dark The Dark Knight received a PG-13 rating when Payne received an R, said the MPAA changes their rules willy-nilly and it depends on who's seeing your actual movie at the time. It's very difficult to get a hold on what's acceptable. On September 22nd, 2008, a trailer confirmed a PG-13 rating for violence, including intense shooting sequences, drug content, and some sexuality. Director John Moore confirmed in an interview with Game Daily that the film was awarded the PG-13 rating without any major changes being made to the film. Describing the re-editing process, Moore said, We trimmed some frames more for the sake of trimming frames than anything, but we got the rating without any major changes at all. The film is rated PG-13 in the United States, a departure from the M-rated video game series. Mila Kunis said of the tone down, It's incredibly dark. You still get the gist of it. The only difference between the R-rated and PG-13 is you might not see as much blood. Mark Wahlberg received a Golden Raspberry Award nomination for Worst Actor, also for The Happening, but lost against Mike Myers of The Love Guru. Despite negative reviews from critics, Max Payne opened number one at the box office, making a worldwide gross of how much worldwide? It had a $35 million budget, by the way. So how much did it make worldwide? Probably 70. Pretty close. $85 million. Yeah. That is shocking. I know why it made so much money. We have a pretty good theory. The trailer painted this movie as a pseudo-religious, supernatural, Constantine-style Constantine movie. style movie. And I would that, recommend, I highly there, recommend. There is a huge audience for that. Yes, I highly recommend anyone listening to this, check out the trailer to this movie and just, just watch it objectively. And when it's over, think to yourself, what is this movie going to be about? What's it going to be about? And you're going to walk away thinking that this is going to be like a Constantine-style of movie where a man is fighting like angels and demons. Why do we think that? In the trailer, someone blatantly says Max Payne is looking for something that God God wants wants hidden. And he also says that the devil is amassing an army. Those are exact quotes. And immediately he says that and then we cut to a shot of Max Payne screaming while there are angels and demons flying around his head. And the sky is on fire. Blaze like it is raining brimstone. I don't think that's too far of a stretch to think that we're about to see a cosmic battle between the forces of man and supernatural good and evil. Quite frankly, that sounds like an awesome movie. That sounds like a great movie. And look, I'm going to (laughs) be... Very honest and very upfront about this. The way the CG looks in this movie is incredible. Very cool looking. We got sold a false bill of goods. Big time. Talk about movies that had misleading trailers. Here we go. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody asked for their money back. I really would not. If there was a large group of people that left the, that got up in the middle of the movie, left and asked for their money back. Okay, so instead of this potentially awesome Angels and Demons movie, this is what we got instead. <laughs> Max Payne starts off with one of the other 
other mortal sins of movie making these days. Another yes, that bad staple. So what do we have? When a movie starts, we either get a cold open, right? which is what we got. This is a cold open. But lately, we've been given a lot of movies with text, which sucks. And now in this movie, we have an opening narration. With just a black screen. And the things that he's talking about in this narration have nothing to do with anything that happens in this movie whatsoever. It actually has nothing to do with anything. At all. At all. It only, I could say that it has to do with something that he may, that this fictitious character may have thought for a fleeting moment. It starts off with Max Payne underwater as if he's sinking to an icy death. I don't know. It looks really good though. These it does. Shot. The first shot of this movie is great. And Max Payne says, there's an army of bodies under this river. They're reaching up, grabbing me, pulling me in. As if they're zombies As if I'm something. one of them. Yeah. I can't blame them for making the mistake. What does that have to do with anything? Right off the bat. Right immediately. Right off the bat. What does that have to do with anything? Now that we've seen the movie in its entirety. It doesn't have to do with anything. It's it's supposed to set you up in like, a, this is where Max Payne is going to end up. How did he get there? That's, that's what I thought it was going to be. And that's what they tried to make it and they failed miserably. We had to rewind this movie three or four times to actually make out what he was saying. Oh yeah, Max Payne's a mumbler. He's a mumblecore guy. Yeah, it was very difficult to understand what he was saying. And he's the leading man, right? If you you have your side characters mumble all, all you want, right? But your leading man needs to be crystal clear, I would hope. This isn't Sling Blade or something, right? No, no, it's definitely not Sling Blade. That's a good movie. Alright, so we find out a little bit about Max Payne. Apparently, his family was brutally murdered, and because of that, he is now held bent on revenge. He is purposely working in the cold case files of the NYPD. For those who don't know, that's the department that investigates cases that are still open but like have gone cold, like there's no more clues, no one knows what else to go. So these they're like really old cases that are still open, like missing persons, murders, stuff like that. So he's trying to get some info about who may have killed his family, right? Right, and they put him downstairs in, I guess, Fox Mulder's old office. Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. And he's there willingly as opposed to everybody else who did is like something punished. wrong, yeah, and is put there as a, you know. Yeah, so this new guy goes down and he's like the new guy working down there. And they kind of set it up as if he's going to be Max Payne's new partner. And they spend a lot of time on this new character. He's talking, has a lot of lines, and then he just fades away, disappears, never to be heard from again. Well, anyway, so Max Payne is on the prowl. He's looking for crooks. He's kicking down doors, all this crazy stuff they say about him. And they show him getting into an altercation with drug addicts in the subway in New York. He goes into a public bathroom in the subway. That's That actually is a crime. That's disgusting. I didn't even know these existed. If they, if they do, they're usually locked up. But I, it, I, it was I, in this I, movie, and it was enormous. And he, they, he goes into it. These drug addicts go in there to steal Max Payne's watch. But what happens? <laughs> Set up. Yeah, Max Payne double crosses. <laughs> he double crosses addicts, and he starts opening fire. And he, I, I guess he's holding a cannon. Yes, because whatever is in his gun explodes, causes things to blow up. I guess this is a question for Miles. Yeah, if, Miles, if you're out there, and Miles, you need to watch Max Payne and feel our pain. <laughs> watch this movie. If you're shooting a, a handgun, handgun, I, I guess it's a revolver of some of some sort. What sort of fifty caliber Magnum is this? Yeah, thing? like. I, he shoots it at a wooden bathroom stall and it explodes. It just explodes. Wood splinters everywhere. And the, the door kind of disintegrates. Is that, <laughs> is that, is, is that possible? <laughs> 
I leave it up to your expertise. Yeah. We, we may need you again because there's a lot of insanity happening <laughs> with firearms in this movie. This is the first encounter we have with angels in this movie. One of the insane drug addicts runs away and he goes down the subway tunnel, which is the worst possible place to go. I don't know why he didn't just run into the street. It would have been a lot safer. But it says he runs down the subway tunnel and he starts seeing angels or, or demons. Or demons or if something. If you prefer. They look like angels, but they're all black. They're like shadow angels or something. Right. Uh, I guess the angel of death is usually shown like this, Chase. But the way they present it, you think that they something are real. supernatural is going they on. They are very real. real. That's how they show it to us. They make it seem like they, these creatures are really there. Which I'm okay with. Yeah. All right. Bring it on. I'm on, I'm on board. Okay, so Max Payne needs to get some info. So he, he kind of goes to a bar. It's more of a party. It's a club. At a club or something. No, first he goes to a party club. Yes, and he meets this, his snitch, one of the worst actors I've seen in a while. I, Atrocious. But we do meet Mila Kunis and her sister, who was supposed to be hotter than Mila Kunis, but is not. Oh, uh, that's debatable. I will I'll, fight me I'll to the fight death. fight to the death on this one. Yeah, okay, all right, all right. She was the same woman from Hitman. Yes. If anyone has seen that thing. I hope you haven't. <laughs> she... Yeah, so Mila Kunis is a bad guy. Like She has goons that follow her around, and she has she's, go- th- she's threatening violence on people. It's around this point where we get a little bit more info about the Max Payne world. Apparently, there's a new drug on the street. It looks like fluorescent blue paint or something. Like, what is this? There's a drug like this in the Star Wars prequels. Oh, what's it called? It's called Death stick or something. I vaguely remember that. It looks, the drug in the Star Wars prequel looks almost identical. It's just yellow. Yeah, it's this extremely fluorescent, liquid. glowing, glowing blue liquid. liquid. It looks radioactive. It looks like somebody just took a glow stick and put it put dumped liquid, it out. Yeah, dumped, dumped it, out it out into out. like a glass vial and, and gave it drank to some people. People drink it. <laughs> which probably would cause you to hallucinate. Yeah, so. And then kill you. So these people are all doing drugs. It shows them doing it. It shows them using this drug. In the and that's when like the angels appear. So we're pretty much told that these angels are not real. Instead, they're just hallucinations. For whatever reason, multiple people are having the same exact hallucination. It's not even that they're similar. They're identical. Exact. Exact. What are the odds of that? Is that something to do with the drug itself or or what? What? That that very complicated, specific hallucinations interact with you in the same way for the same... I'd say that that's probably impossible. The only way that this makes any sense whatsoever would be if all these people got together and they told each other, I just saw a bunch of angels flying around. Below, like a viral idea. Yes, and that's spread around from person to person to person. That's the only way I could see this happening. But it's easy for me to believe that an actual demon bursts out of hell and like killed these people. That seems more plausible to me than this. It's definitely more entertaining than this. I, you know, I would have preferred that this drug actually had some type of supernatural quality to it and caused these people to interact with like Valkyries or whatever they're supposed to be. Okay, so Mila Kunis's taller, hotter, question mark? No. Sister seduces Max Payne. And gets completely naked. Yes, and but then she starts bad-mouthing Max Payne's dead wife, and then... Max Payne wusses out. He kicks her out of bed, throws her out. I was shocked. Max Payne kicked out a beautiful naked woman out of his bed. Now, I'm a man, and I can say... With 100% with clarity? With 100% clarity and accuracy that... <laughs> no, 
matter what this woman said, I would not have heard any of it. She could have said, I'm Hitler's reincarnation. She could be like saying complete gibberish. I wouldn't have heard any of it. Right off the bat, that made Max Payne a very unlikable character (laughs) in my eyes. This guy sucks. Yeah, well, Max Payne is married to revenge. It's one of these stories. One of these Moby Dick Ahab things. How many beefcakes did that woman get? Five. Five out of five beef. Perfect beef. And how many does Max Payne get? Max Payne gets one beef. One. <laughs> he gets he gets a he gets a sultry, flaccid one one beef. Yeah, so Max Payne kicks this woman out of his bed. She's walking down the alley. All of a sudden, she sees angels, she sees demons, there's embers and smoke in the sky, and she's brutally murdered. This is a first scene where we get to see some pretty complex CG. Yeah, it looks good. It the looks thing I'll say good. about this movie is that it looks good. It's shocking how well it's shot. It's almost a shame, too. It's like a lot of people put a lot of work into this and making art, it look really nice, artistically speaking. Art, artistically speaking, the way it's shot and the way that they frame an image. God, we're gonna sound like, gonna sound like nerds. Like, what a nerd. What a, what a critic. <laughs> I like the way everything was so desaturated. It kind of reminded me of Sin City a little well, bit. Well, right. Well, there's, it was constantly snowing. It said in the summary of this movie that it was supposed to be a, I guess, a new age noir, right? And I think that it, yeah, was, it, worked. it was pretty successful. It worked. Yes, that worked. It's a shame that they didn't work as hard on the script with yeah. the acting. Uh, you just, it's, I, I don't understand why it's so rare to get them, to get all of these elements to come together to make a decent movie. Not a great movie, just a decent movie. I would say that the good movies are the exception to the rule. And that's unfortunate. What I've come to really? learn about filmmaking and the whole process of getting movies out the door and what it takes to just get a movie funded and green lit. The ones that are actually good are the exceptions to the rule. And the Max Payne's of the world are the norm. <sighs> Well, we got a podcast out of it. All right, so it's around this point where we're introduced to Bo 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 Bridges. <laughs> For the three people that got that reference, they just threw their hats in the air. They're so happy. <laughs> yeah, apparently he used to be Max Payne's dad's God- best partner. partner, and so he's Max Payne's godfather or whatever. He is head of security at a company called Acer Pharmaceuticals. It's a lot of Norse mythology stuff in this movie. Apparently that's from the game. But Bridges shows up and uh, right off the bat, my double cross detector was blinking wildly. I knew there was something up with this guy. He tells us that Max Payne's wife used to work at this pharmaceutical company. Maybe she learned something that she wasn't supposed to. I don't know. At this point in the movie, I was very, very, very bored. Is that fair? Did I not give this movie enough time? I mean, we were like, what, 15 minutes in and already I'm like, this sucks. Yeah, it's fair. This movie, again, it's another, yeah, it's that bad, stereotypical action movie where a lot of stuff is happening. Yeah, things are just happening before my eyes, just and they're, flickering. they're almost completely disjointed and disconnected I from I might as well have been watching Valentine's Day again. Right, and so it's hard to maintain any type of attention to it because it doesn't mean anything. They're, they're, the story is portrayed in such a poor way. And these people, <laughs> these characters are so intense about everything. Like They take everything so so seriously and they're everybody's screaming at each other over what over what they, they did a really bad job making me care about anything the guy who made this game or whatever he's right they should have set up this whole revenge plot immediately we should have seen max Payne's family getting killed right off the bat it made him a sympathetic character because the way they did it i could have cared less Bo bridges could have put a bullet in max Payne's head right then and there and, and i would have been oh, okay 
good. Great job. And then the credits roll. Credits roll 15 minutes in, and I would have walked away and been okay with it. You would have gave it a three out of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, wow, what a ballsy move. <laughs> three out of five. Four out of five. Okay, so eventually Mila Kunis and Max Payne, they meet up. And then they team up. Immediately. Without any explanation. I This scene, more than any other in this movie. Was it jarring? Was really, really outlandish. I had, I, I didn't understand why these people that were originally being set up to be enemies became like immediate buddies like Bonnie and Clyde I, I didn't get it at, at this point I still don't understand who Mila Kunis is supposed to be what the point of it apparently she's a contract killer or something I never got that I thought she was like a, a mafia-esque leader because she she had all the henchmen yeah that's like, a, that's like a fair assessment right I never played the game sufficiently enough to find out who she was it's the movie's job to tell me these things and they failed Mila Kunis and Mark Wahlberg start investigating exactly what this drug is and how it is connected to his wife's murder and, and Mila Kunis' death. sister's death. Okay, so they find this guy who was the last person to talk to Mila's sister and this scene was really confusing I thought. They corner this junkie in an apartment that looks like he got hit by a bomb, right? Like a big it's, opening. It's supposed to look like a crack house that was hit with a wrecking ball? Something like that. He's standing in a windowsill. It looks like he's about to jump, right? He's going to commit suicide. It does, yeah. He's going crazy. He's seeing these demons everywhere. He's gibbering. Just insane things are coming out of his mouth. He's lost his cool. They're trying to talk him down off the ledge. So Max Payne realizes that this guy is about to jump. He goes to run and grab him in super slow motion. And the camera pans through the wall out into the city street. And we see a demon. This looks awesome. Really good. Again, this is like something out of a better movie. This (laughs) demon grabs this guy and rips him out of the windowsill. The way that this person moves out of the building is not congruous with somebody jumping. It looks at like all. at all. It looks like he had a rope around his waist and someone yanked him out of the window because he flew laterally 3,000 feet into the air. From his midsection. Yes. He did, it didn't go from his legs or from his waist. He where didn't jump. He it, was pulled. He was pulled out. I, I mean, we, we can agree on that, right? He was pulled out. Yes. It, again, another piece of evidence to show that these demons are real. Right. But we know they're not because they tell us over and over again that they're not. But what, what is happening in this movie? Why? I, it's like they want it both ways. They want these demons to be real, ripping this guy out of a window. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I want them to be real. So do I. But it's pretty clear that what Max Payne saw was that this guy jumped out of the window. But the way he jumped out was physically impossible. <laughs> Maybe they're using the Unreal Engine. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, another opportunity to bring that stupid thing up. So this guy breaks the laws of physics and flies out of a window and lands on a car or whatever. So the next stop for them is to go to a tattoo parlor to figure out what this tattoo is. This is one of the most ludicrous scenes (laughs) I've ever seen. (laughs) They get down there and he immediately starts lecturing them like a Harvard professor. This is so stupid. This grizzled tattoo parlor guy. They're like, what's this tattoo mean? And I'm not making this up. This guy pulls out what looks like a Bible from the 15th century. It's a tome. Yeah, it's this enormous leather-bound book. Why this anonymous tattoo guy would have this? It had. It, it was bound in human skin, right? Yeah, it was the Necronomicon. Like, I did not understand this. He pulls out this ancient book and flips it over and leaves to this like etching of, of a, what he says is a Valkyrie. Of a Valkyrie that was done by by the guy who did the engravings for the original Dante's Inferno. 
This is like the kind of scene you would see in Underworld <laughs> right, or The right. Ninth Gate or these other kind of demonic movies. What is this doing in this police procedural about a guy trying to find his wife's killer? In a tattoo parlor. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? Is this happening in the game? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, how many I mean, years? it's very game-like. Like, how many years ago did this come out? 11. I don't remember. And I, <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Okay? All right? All right? Okay. <laughs> okay. So now we get the flashback scene that we should have gotten as the cold open. And we are, we are 45 minutes into the movie. We finally get to find out what Max Payne's motivation is. He used to be a happy-go-lucky guy. Babes, bucks. He had it all. He was moving. He, he was, was grooving. grooving. His teeth. They were like chiclets. chiclets. He flew through the air with the greatest of ease. <laughs> and he, he, when he got home, oh, oops, they're like gangsters or drug addicts or something. 15 in his house. minutes too late. Yeah, yeah. They killed his family. What a shame. So Max Payne goes back to the pharmaceutical company and he starts harassing Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell has that last piece of evidence, you know, the final piece of the puzzle, whatever, to solve this. They decided to take a, a scene from the Matrix and they had an office shootout sequence. I mean, I don't know. This might have been a level in the game. I have no idea. Maybe somebody can write in and tell me that this was in the game or not. Because this felt very video gamey. In a game, this is kind of cool. In a movie, this is really stupid. So, Bo Bridges is in charge of security for this building, for this pharmaceutical company. I've seen security in office buildings. It's usually just a guy wearing a blazer, you know? Right. These guys are wearing full riot gear. It's like and SWAT they team. Have, they're more than SWAT team because they have assault mil- rifles. They, they have they, they have military weaponry. They have like AR-34s. Yeah, and they, they come into this office building filled with people and they just open fire. No questions asked. You think like terrorists were there. I want to say that if this happened in real life, all of these people would be arrested and if depending on what state they're in, put to death. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you brutally murdered people like a like a psychopath. They just opened fire, killing everyone. Yeah, Max Payne, he fires back. This is a very video gamey. Just like the Matrix, they had their office shootout, some slow motion stuff. Max Payne, for those who don't know, Max Payne, the video game, had bullet time in it. So we all know bullet time was started with the Matrix in 99. But Max Payne, the game, was the first game to have it in 2001. Right. And after that, it spiraled out of control. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every game with guns to have bullet time in it. We got a lot of bunch of crap like Dead to Rights and... Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. They just shoveled bullet time into a game for no reason whatsoever aside for the fact that it looked good. And now here we are in 2008 and the Max Payne movie, even though it was in the game, shovels bullet time into a movie that really doesn't need it. There's no precedence for this at all. I really didn't want it. He starts doing slow-mo gun battles in this office. He does this vertical leap that would have made Will Smith and iRobot proud. He does a vertical leap and then he does a horizontal... The horizontal hula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him and hey, Vinny. Dude. Hey, hey, dude. Him and Vinny get together. <laughs> hey, dude, you and Veronica do the horizontal hula yet? It is revealed at this point that there is a conspiracy set up. Yay! Yeah, it's that bad staple. We might have to add that to the, uh, the list. 
conspiracies. Conspiracy. Um, his wife was working on this drug, this drug, and it shows the, I guess, the test subject, who it turns out has already been shown before. It's this bald psychopath with tattoos all over his face. Mike Tyson would have been happy to see that. Totally irrelevant character, quite frankly. Apparently, he played a big role in the game. Useless in the movie. Apparently, this drug causes 99.9999999% repeating to die if you take it. Yeah, but that one person, that one special That point zero 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 one. It makes them invincible. A killing machine. So, I guess this this bald individual is that he's he's that one percenter that everyone on Wall Street is picketing. And he, I guess, is screaming on a roof waiting for Max Payne. <laughs> <laughs> why? Like, right, he's waiting for him? I don't know why. What? How I does he know? Why. How, how does he know? <laughs> how does he know? How does he know he's coming? <laughs> Okay, so eventually Max Payne figures out that the villain who he assumes is the guy who murdered his wife is at a club called the Ragnarok. And he goes there and he has a very video game-like shootout where he's walking in this warehouse and guys are just popping up out of nowhere to get shot and killed. Just like Area 51, if anyone remembers that game. <gasps> you deserve to be shot <laughs> for that. It, it was, though. It was like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People would just pop out of boxes and Max would shoot them. Fine, you want me to Time Crisis 2. Lethal Enforcers. Oh. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> oh, anyway, so, I mean, there's not really much to talk about in this stupid sheet, except Max Payne defies the laws of gravity, physics, common sense, ballistics. MC Escher would have been happy with this scene, though. <laughs> <laughs> so what does he do? He does a backflip. Is that what it is? Well, apparently there's a guy behind him on a, a up in the rafters with a gun. He's about to shoot Max Payne in the butt. <laughs> Is that it? That's where he was aiming. He's like, I'm going to get him right in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so Max, apparently he can hear it or he can sense it. His butt clenches. He can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> so he does a backflip holding a shotgun just like in House of the Dead. Right. An absurd shotgun slow-mo scene. He does a backflip with a shotgun and when he's at the apex of the backflip and he just starts opening fire at this and he is so the, absurd but he's a crack shot one shot kill he gets oh my I guess I it, mean really people stop at home and picture this picture a grown man doing a backflip holding a shotgun and then shooting somebody in the head it sounds like something you'd see in an anime or a cartoon or a video game it almost like it, it helps him rotate I think oh that's how he makes the full rotation the it kick like, from the like, gun like eight, yeah the, the kickback from the shotgun aids his rotation it, it, this this moment in the movie makes me angry. It's around this point where we find out that who Max Payne thought was the guy he was really after was innocent. Oh, I guess he wasn't really innocent. He was murdering people. He was murdering people. He was a psychopath. But he didn't murder Max Payne's family. That's all that really matters in this movie. It was bo 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 bridges He was the real culprit. What a shock! A double cross in a Yeah, It's That Bad feature film. I never saw this coming. So they take him down to the dock and they essentially beat him. Instead of putting a bullet in his head, they talk and talk and talk 
fucking talk to him. Max Payne jumps into the river. It's like negative 10,000 degrees. There are there. ice. There are icebergs. Well, not icebergs, but yeah, there's the a the giant river. iceberg floating in. Yeah, yeah ship, ships are crashing into it. <laughs> there's a, uh, and Mark, Mark, the Andrea Gales crashes into it. Any man would have died being in this water, but I guess Max Payne is made of sterner stuff because he comes out and I guess it's implied that he's going to die from hypothermia. Right. Because he's moving and grooving on the docks. He's shivering and shaking and he decides that there's only one shot left to live. He's got some of the drug in his pocket. The drug who earlier we were told that it murders 99.9999999% of people. 99.99 repeating. Exponent 99. Okay, yeah. But you know what? What does he got to lose, right? Max Payne just takes it, starts chugging it. Chug, 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 chug. He then screams and this is a scream that would have made Nick Cage cream his jeans. Max Payne gets up. He utters this guttural, demonic scream to the heavens as if he's possessed by Satan himself. The skies rip open and with fire, fire and comes demons fly around <laughs> like it is literally a tunnel to hell. <laughs> the snow turns into ashen ember. I can't think of a more dramatic way to, to show this. This looks like it's the apocalypse. Like, this is revelations. This is... That's exactly what this is. I, what is this doing in this movie? I, it, it's so jarring. Okay, so it turns out that Bo Bridges was the traitor all along. He murdered Max Payne's wife for whatever reason. I don't care. Okay, so now is the final gratuitous shootout that we meet in these movies. It's Max Payne is hopped up on the super soldier serum, like Captain America. Right. He's indestructible. He's invincible. He's going crazy. He's seeing demons. He's a a berserker. Berserker, yeah. He's a berserker, right? Because that's that's Norse. Norse, That's Norse. Like, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like so upset about it. I'm like... He gets shot in the arm and chest. Point, Point blank, blank range with a shotgun. And what I, does Max Payne do? He kind of, shr- I think he shrugs a little bit. It, he's pretty much unfazed by this. I, I don't, Miles? Yeah, Miles. What happens when a, a grown man who's get, not wearing body armor, he's just wearing a leather jacket, gets shot point blank with, with a, a shotgun. shotgun? Do they usually survive? <laughs> are, they, are they usually okay? Do they usually just get up and start running <laughs> and firing guns? He fights his way through, I guess, this paramilitary force. (laughs) (laughs) Again, though, what's cool in a video game doesn't necessarily translate to the big screen, does it? No, not at all. Well, before Max Payne can finally exact his revenge, he drops to his knees, screams to the heavens one last time, and the ceiling explodes, and there is a hellfire soul NATO hovering above his head. We don't get enough of these, by the way. <laughs> soul NATOs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why is this happening? Is it just his psychosis going wild? If someone made the argument to me that this actually was happening, I would I would be hesitant to argue with them about it. They, you could make a really good point-by-point, I guess, um, argument that this is actually happening. I wish it was. I mean, it would actually make this movie a little bit more interesting. That, that this thing does make a certain person, like a berserker, like they get imbued with the soul of the wolf <laughs> that these Valkyries are helping them be soldier <laughs> like like I mean as, as ridiculous as it sounds like what's happening in this movie is really making me think that this is happening he gets shot with a shotgun and nothing happened so Max Payne confronts Bo Bridges puts a bullet in him put a bullet in his, in his butt <laughs> And, that, and then the movie just ends, right? 
he shoots Bo Bridges. He drops to his knees. The cops show up and then boom, the end. Credits. No resolution. No answers. Is he going to jail? Is he going to die from that gunshot wound? Is Does he this drug addict now? Like, all is those he other completely people, insane? Yeah, all those other people took the drug once and became lifelong drug addicts. Is he going to be okay? We don't know. It just cuts straight to black. The end. Credits. One of the most abrupt endings ever. I mean, we both looked at each other and said, wait, that's it? What just happened? Now, bear in mind, we watched the theatrical cut. There is more to it if you watch the director cut. You couldn't pay me enough money to watch that. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's not a lot longer. It's only 10 minutes longer. <laughs> It really isn't much longer, but yeah, it just it just it just abruptly cuts to the end and is. I can only imagine the confusion and the befuddled look on the people's faces in the theater when this happened. Like the lights come on, yeah, just, like, get out, everybody out. <laughs> it was, oh, what? <laughs> so that was Max Payne. Well, we do get a little scene after the credits where the filmmakers threaten to make Max Payne too. Yeah, it turns out that. Max Payne is okay. He's alive. Mila Kunis is there for some inexplicable reason. He's not a drug addict and the effects have worn off. He's not in jail. He's not in jail. He has no bullet wounds. <laughs> I actually thought that he was in heaven. The way this scene was shot was kind of interesting because it was all yellow and that's like the color scheme that they have set up to being like in the past or when things are happier or maybe when people are dead or, or whatever. So I thought he was in heaven and they show him in slow motion walking to a booth in the bar. He's got two bottles of beers in his hands. I really thought he was going to sit next to his dead wife, but instead it's living Mila Kunis instead. Thank God in heaven that we won't be seeing a Max Payne 2, I think. So that's it. That's Max Payne. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. The filmmakers aim their cynicism more at us than at any government or drug company. Wesley Morris, Boston Globe. Miserable in every sense of the word. Sam Adams, Los Angeles Times. And finally, Max Payne may be the worst movie of the year. The maybe qualifier is only because the year isn't over yet. Tom Long, Detroit News. So, Martin, this movie currently holds a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yes, this movie is that bad. 16% is accurate. The acting was abysmal. The story was completely disjointed. I didn't care what was happening. None of it made sense, and it was a paint-by-numbers police procedural. I'm going to give this movie a (laughs) hot, juicy, steamy, solid mass of a 1 out of 5. Stay away from it at all costs. Oh, man, this movie is bad. The only redeeming quality is the visuals. And you know what? You can get them all in the trailer, so buy it for looks. Buy it for life. Kohler. <laughs> no, yeah, Kohler. Yeah, yeah. Kohler. You're going to love the way he looks. I guarantee it. <laughs> Everyone knows that's Men's Warehouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I don't even have to think twice about it. This movie gets a resounding one out of five. Congratulations, everyone. You did it again. Great job. Everybody that worked in this movie should be ashamed of themselves. Except the art director, I guess. Right, the art director. And the CG the guy. The CG guys. They did a great job. Yeah, there were some cool looking things in this movie but everything else completely and totally failed in every conceivable way. This movie is the reason why video game movies have such a bad rap. It just completely fell into that stereotype. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Robert writes in and says, Rules are rules.
rules. Pandorum was a choice for the epic Quaid-off with Day After Tomorrow versus Pandorum. Yet, on a later episode, you said that there are no second chances. If you break a rule for this movie, I would hope you would break the rules for another movie, See No Evil. Now, since you're very attentive to the, the things that I say on this show, think back and remember. I also said, if anything goes wrong on this show, it's just me being lazy. And the reason why Pandorum appeared in the poll twice was because... Joel's lazy. I didn't look up. You just didn't look up. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> that whole poll was a disaster. <laughs> I put a movie in twice. I, I announced I the, announced wrong the wrong winner. Movie. Then we had to do t- the two spaceship movies. Yeah, it was that was a cursed event. Joe writes in and says, Good evening, guys. It is with a heavy heart I have to write to you today. So there I was listening to the Pandorum podcast. I laughed, I cried, I loved. It was brilliant for the first 40 minutes. That was until you read my email. In that email, I compared Kevin to a total dork, loser character from his favorite all-time movie, She's All That. What an insult. I hurt his feelings and I paid the price for my sins because all week I've had to live with the fact that he was out there in the world, not able to hear my apology. Well, here it goes, Kevin. I am sorry. Could you find it in your heart to forgive me? I know I made a mistake, but I can change. On a lighter note, I tied the knot with my high school sweetheart last October and I must congratulate you on your big day. It's not too much of a spoiler. Would you be willing to reveal what song you and your wife-to-be chose for your last dance? Keep up the fantastic work, guys. Best show on planet Earth. Well, it's gotta be like Top Gun related, right? Well, you know, Kevin was really complaining that he got blasted with this She's All That quote in the last episode and now he has this apology and he's not here to hear it. You know, he told me what song he's coming out to, but I forgot you, you what it was. Remember, you remember? Th- th- you're the worst best man when it comes to... Of all time. It was something by David Gray. I remember is, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can extrapolate from that. Okay, Michael writes in and says, if Kate Beckinsale is the math teacher in the School of Actors, she can be my Mary Kay Letourneau any day. Ooh. That's going to fly over the heads of all the international listeners. Yeah, it is. Whatever, though. Mark writes in and says, request. I would like to request that one, preferably all of you, go see the six-movie Avengers Marathon on May 3rd and report back on how awesome it is for me since I have to go to work and I can't go myself. Thanks in advance, Mark. Martin, what do you think? Don't we have to go to work? <laughs> no, we're going to quit our jobs just so we can go see these movies. movies. No, we, I, I have to go to work. I, I, and I'd rather go to work. I'd rather go to work than to watch all six. Come on, man. I mean, look. You want me to sit through Thor again in Captain America? Give me a break. I barely finished Captain America. <laughs> that was a, that was hard. But Iron Man 1? I wouldn't mind watching that again. Erland writes in and says, Hi, I downloaded your After Dark episode, which can be found at Facebook.com slash Yeah, It's That Bad. Download today. <laughs> And listened to it just as I went to bed. As the episode went on, I was suddenly reminded of my childhood days when I would have a slumber parties with my friends. I'm sure that as such slumber parties, we've all had those relaxed after bedtime chats that lasted long into the night. The dialogue was strangely reminiscent in tone and spirit to exactly that. By the end of the episode, I could clearly picture you guys lying on your backs in sleeping bags, chatting and joking in the dark. <laughs> Since I was in bed whilst listening, I was almost as if I was in the room with you. It was delightful. Please record more episodes like that. Sincerely, Erland, the guy from Norway. Martin, what's he talking about? Is he talking about the, yeah, it's that bad, after dark, which can be found at facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. Did you say facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad? I did, Joel. I said facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad, <laughs> where you can find the extra bonus episode if you hit the like button. Today. Fa- today. Justin writes in, he says, I just wanted to tell you guys that your after dark bonus episode was pure gold. Absolutely hilarious and no joke, thought provoking. I listen to one of those every week. Thanks for an awesome podcast. Huh? There you go. 
Oh, where can that be found? <laughs> Deke writes in and says, Over the past several episodes, especially the last one, Joel has had an almost antagonistic relationship with the Dark Knight Rises. Why does he have such a hate of this movie, sight unseen, that he would say he has 0% interest in it? The first two Nolan Batman films were great. Did Joel cut himself severely shaving while watching the trailer? Or is he just jealous of the beefcake fest that is Christian Bale? I don't know how someone could say they have no interest in seeing it. The Dark Knight got a 94% tomato rating and made a bajillion dollars. They had to have done something right, right? Plus, all of Nolan's films have been good. Why are you against the latest Batman movie? I'm not saying it'll be great for sure, but I'm at least interested to see what he does with it. I got an answer for this question. The reason why I'm putting it at a 0% anticipation as opposed to a 1000% anticipation like everybody else in the world is doing. It's expectation based. I'm not a stranger to the movie game. You know, I've been burned many, many times in the past. And I've learned if you keep your expectations rock bottom and quite frankly, not even care about the movie, you will nine times out of 10 like it more than that guy who spends his life looking at a countdown clock, reading behind the scenes footage, analyzing the trailer, doing all this crazy crap. That individual, the person that Joel's talking about, has spent a enormous amount of mental energy conjuring up some type of fictitious event in their head, some type of elaborate movie event that's going to be amazing, beyond great. And it's never going to... It's never going to match up. It's never going to match up. Like, what you can conjure up in your imagination, nothing in the real world can compete with that. I learned this lesson when we went to go see Watchmen. Yeah, I got burned by that. Big time. Yeah, really big time. Chris writes in and says, Hey guys, I've gone through a very rough start to the new year, losing a close family friend, ending a three-year relationship, and then moving back in with my folks. During all this, I'm going to school full-time and working full-time. Needless to say, I'm in the car a lot. It's a 50-minute drive to school, so I spend a good chunk of my day by myself. What I'm getting at is that I wanted to thank you guys for taking the time to do the show and in a weird sense, being there for me. I love listening to your show and every time a new episode is released, I feel like I have three buddies running along with me. Thanks again, guys. Keep up the good work. That's one of the best emails we ever got. This is going to sound ridiculous, but that actually makes all of this worthwhile, in my opinion. To actually help somebody like, like that, that's phenomenal. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week, and the question comes in via our Facebook page from Leo. Leo writes in and says, what is your favorite song that was written specifically for a movie? I'm going to go Darren Aronofsky from Requiem for a Dream. I think he means like like real, like the bodyguard, you know? Oh, my heart will go on. Titanic. Yeah, I'm sure it's Celine Dion related. <laughs> yeah. Probably Mortal Kombat. Oh! Good one. I, I Good one. I want to say Mortal Kombat is probably my, my favorite song written for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Where a man screams, Mortal, Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Once again, what is your favorite song that was written for a movie? Head on over to Yes That Bad. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now would be the time that we would announce the winner of the Listener's Choice Bowl. But once again, this episode you are currently listening to is pre-recorded. We recorded it 10 years ago. (laughs) Somehow we knew we would be doing this. And we recorded it before Max Payne even came out. (laughs) 
<laughs> this whole episode has just been conjecture. We've just been making it up as we're going along. Yeah, we're guessing that this is what Max Payne, the movie, would be about if they were to make one. Even though we haven't played the game, the month of May has been just non-stop. You had to go to a funeral. Funeral. I had to go to a, a birthday party. Then I had to go to another birthday party. We're going then to a wedding. To, we're going to a wedding. There, there's the bachelor party. Yeah, it's just I, out of control. Know, there's so many. Oh my God. When we get back from all this insanity, we'll review the Amityville Horror. Are we going to get back from Lin Sanity? That's never going to end. Ne- never. That's just going to go on forever. Yeah, Super Nintendo. <laughs> Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yeahitsthatbad. You can follow us on Twitter at yeahitsbad. You can follow Martin at yeahitsmartin. You can follow Kevin at yeahitskev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher at stitcher.com slash yeahitsbad. Put in the promo code yeahitsbad. It'll really help out the show. And don't forget, you can download our bonus episode, Yeah, It's That Bad After Dark. Where can you do that, Joel? Facebook.com slash Yeah, It's That Bad. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. I hear you only have to just hit the like button. Okay, once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. I was shocked. I couldn't believe my eyes. He had a full maximum hard on, and then he just unchubbed it, and then he chubbed her out. <laughs> Rethink that. <laughs>